Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, turn with me in your Bible to Romans chapter 12. I was ministering along this line uh, before I went on vacation and And actually, we were on vacation, and uh, last Sunday, and we were, I think, home for a week, and Pastor Greg ministered even when we were that that last week. And then the week before that, we were in California. And so uh, uh, before all of that happened, I was ministering from the 12th chapter of Romans. And uh, let's start in verse 1. Verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You know, it's reasonable to serve God. It's reasonable to live holy. It's reasonable to present your body a living sacrifice. That's not unreasonable. It'd be okay if y'all say amen and, you know, that kind of stuff. It'd be okay. Amen. It's reasonable. He said, do not be conformed to this world. You know, that's so important. The world wants conformity. Have you noticed that? The world wants conformity and we are not to conform to this world. Amen. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove or approve or discern what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We've pointed out that the good and the acceptable and the perfect will of God, that's not just three different ways of saying the same thing. This is three different levels or degrees of the will of God. Because someone can be in the good will of God but not be in God's perfect will. And and there's middle ground even there. There's, There's the will of God that's acceptable. Sometimes we call it the permissive will of God, but it's still not the perfect will of God. Let me illustrate for you. Somebody gets saved and, uh, you know, they're not going to church. They get saved. Well, they need to be in church. And they, almost any church would be better than no church. Now, I'm talking about legitimate churches. I'm not talking about cults. I'm not talking about churches that, that pass themselves off as Christian. What, how do you determine, first of all, if a church is a cult? Well, it's their Christology. What do they believe about Jesus? We can differ on, on end time things. We can differ on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can dif, dim, uh, differ on other areas of where the power of God's concerned. But we cannot differ on salvation. Jesus asked Peter, he said, who do men say that you are? And he said, well, they say different things. He said, but who do you say? He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, when he said that, he was, he was saying that Jesus was God. Remember the Pharisees, they accused Jesus. They said, you claim to be God's son, making yourself equal with God. You know, there are, there are church cults or they're not churches, but there are cult churches that claim to believe in Jesus, they say, yeah, we believe he's his, Jesus is the son of God, but that's not equal with God. Well, then they're, they're not saved. 
You can't follow a doctrine like that. You can follow somebody's doctrine uh, and they could have a wrong doctrine on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they're still saved and go to heaven. But if you don't know who Jesus is, if you don't believe that he is the son of God, equal with God, is God, that he died on the cross, shed his blood for your sins and believe in that, you cannot be saved. So I don't have any problem dismissing churches that, that try to, groups and organizations that try to pass themselves off as Christian, like Jehovah's Witness, like the, the, the Mormon church, like uh, Christian science. I don't have any problem identifying them because their doctrine, if you believe it and follow it, you will not go to heaven. That's the truth. So I don't have a problem identifying that. But outside of that, legitimate churches that believe and preach the the new birth, if somebody's saved, it's better to go there than not go at all. So that would be in the goodwill of God, but it wouldn't necessarily be where God wants them. I remember when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, I, uh, you know, I didn't go to church for a few weeks, maybe a couple of months. I don't really remember the time frame. But right at first, I didn't go to church. And I had, I had left church with a real bad experience. The church that I had been in, my wife and I, we weren't even married at the time. Uh, we, well, I guess we had just gotten married. We basically were humiliated in that church and uh, abused. And when I left there, I said, I'll never come through the doors of this building again. Well, when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, guess where the Lord sent me? Right back to that church. In the natural, there was no reason for me to go. There was every, put it this way, there was every reason to go somewhere else. I could start fresh somewhere. I wouldn't have to go and have everybody looking at me because everybody remembered, you know. I could just go and, and, you know, my anonymity, just go and find another church. I could have I found... Uh, even a spirit. Now I could have gone to a church that didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That would have been okay, but it wouldn't have been right. Or I could have chosen a, another spirit filled church. I, I was raised in the church of God. I could have found an assembly of God to go to or another church of God on the other side of town. That would have been better than going to a church that wasn't a spirit filled church. So it would be more acceptable, but it still wouldn't have been right. Or I could have gone where God led me and where he said that was in the perfect will of God. As far as my church choice, that was the perfect will of God. And guess what happened when I obeyed? I went in. I wasn't there but a week or two or maybe the first time. I don't remember. And somebody put a Kenneth Hagin book in my hand. And in Jacksonville, Florida at that time, there weren't many churches where that would happen. It wasn't even, it was frowned on even in that church. The, the, the pastoral team and the, and the official ministry there, you know, they weren't in support of the word of faith, didn't even know anything about it. But a friend of mine gave me a book that changed my life. I could have gone someplace else and perhaps never have heard the message of faith in God. Because there were, there were churches all over town, even spirit-filled churches that didn't have it. It wasn't introduced. And maybe years went by before they found out. But by then I could have been, you know, uh, sort of discipled in their, in their philosophy. So it's good to be in the will of God. There's the good will of God. There's the acceptable will of God. God will put up with you being in his permissive will for a while. 
He will bless you as much as he can, but even there, he won't bless you as much as he wants to because you need to be in his perfect will. And I'm going to tell you this, being in God's perfect will, will, God's perfect will, it's not a wheel, being, being in God's perfect will will involve a challenge for you. It was, it was a challenge for me to go back to that church. I didn't know anything about the will of God. I didn't really know. I just, I just was led and I went. And I, and I remember going in with a little bit of trepidation, a little bit of hesitancy, like, oh boy. You know, I remember the last time I was here. Uh, you know what? Because all those people were still there. They remembered me. Some of them, most of them have known me since I was a child, you know. And I thought, oh well, you know, here I go. I didn't know there was a revival taking place in that church and that God was moving. Uh, so I just, I just obeyed and fortunately I stepped into the perfect will of God for me at that time. It, but it, 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 it was a little bit of an effort. I had to swallow my pride. I had to say, Lord, you know, I, I just, okay, okay, I'll go. If you haven't suffered a little bit where the will of God is concerned, you're probably not in the will of God. If you haven't suffered, I'll say that again. If you haven't suffered a little bit to be in the will of God where you are, then you're probably not in the will of God. Or you, 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 haven't, you haven't grown enough. Because like I said, for a while I was in, I, I, for a while you can be in the permissive will of God and that'll be okay. But eventually God will ask something of you that you're not going to initially like. It's going to happen. I guarantee it's going to happen. Most people enter, uh, encounter uh, a, 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 a significant, significant degree of, of resistance or, or they, uh, they, they experience, let me say it different, they experience a significant degree of hesitancy and opposition to being in the next step that God has for them. Amen. And uh, uh, if you don't make up your mind ahead of time to obey God no matter what, when you get to that place and, that, and, that, and the Spirit of God begins to lead you into a closer walk or another step or another place uh, of service or whatever it might be, uh, or submission, even in your home and your, you know, whatever it might be, he might lead you and be dealing with you to start treating people uh, at work differently than you've been treating them and you don't want to because you're right and they're wrong and they're bad and they're mean to you but God said, I want you to do something different. I want you to act this way. Uh, you know, uh, if, you don't, if you don't make up your mind early that I'm going to submit to the will of God no matter what, we used to sing a song, wherever he leads, I will follow. I'll follow, I'll go, I'll obey. And it, that's a good prayer to pray. The, the prayer of consecration is not something you pray one time and forget. Amen. The prayer of consecration, you need to pray on a regular basis. God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I want to be fully submitted. I want to be in your perfect will. If you'll seek his perfect will, he'll lead you into it. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. It wasn't my topic today, but it was in the text. Glory to God. Go with me again then to Romans chapter 12. Let's look at it again. 
Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Then he begins to immediately talk about service. About about being uh, used of God, about serving God in the local church. Isn't that interesting? That his will has an application to where you are in church and what you do, how you behave. Amen. Verse three says, for I say, now the word for connects what he's about to say with what he just, just said. You need to discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God because I say, that's what Paul said, because I say through the grace given to me to everyone, Now, how many in this room would that include? Is there anybody here that this wouldn't apply to? For this I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you. You know, that include people aren't even here today. When Paul was writing this letter to the church at Rome... He was writing it to everybody in the church and it didn't just apply to the people that were there when the, when the epistle was read. It applied to everyone in that body. Amen. Hallelujah. Everyone who is among you, I say, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, the measure of faith, this can, this can apply, and usually it's applied to faith in general. Faith for salvation, faith for healing, faith for uh, having your needs met, and, and there is an application there. But when he's talking about faith here, he's talking about faith for a particular thing. We'll, we'll find that out in the next couple of verses. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Now, when he's talking about the body there, he's talking about our physical bodies. He said that we have many members. We have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. That's in our physical body. So we, you could say likewise we, in the the spiritual sense, we have many members in one body. We have many members. And you know we're one body? Your physical body, your ears, your eyes, your nose are all different members of your body, but but it's all one body. And those various members work together. Well, he said, likewise, in the, in the local body, he said, uh, we have many members in one body, but notice they do not all have the same function. My nose and my ears don't have the same function. Now, we have many, I have many members in, in my physical body. Some of my members have the same function. Both of my ears have the same function. And my ears are important. I mean, my outer ears, I'd look funny without any ears. 
But without my outer ears, I wouldn't hear very well. My, my outer ears have a, the way my outer, our outer ears are constructed, they're a, they, they, they create a baffle. They also hold our, my, my microphone on and my sunglasses on my head. But the main thing they do, they provide a baffle to the sounds that we hear so that they're not echoey and it, and it, and it colors the sound that we hear and it also gives direction. If you didn't have ears on the side of your head, you'd hear a sound and it would be very hard to determine where it comes from. That's why you can hear things better in front of you than you can behind you because your ear cups that sound and, 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 and channels it into your brain, your inner ear and into your brain. So even though we have some parts of our body that we have, you know, we have two eyes, two ears, they're, they're all equally important. Well, in a local body, not everybody's the same, but some people will be the same. There will be some, some, some duality in, in a local spiritual body. He said, not everyone has the same function, but, but we all have a function. Every member of your body, every organ of your body has a function. Well, amen. Every member has a function. And he said, we being many are one body in Christ, that is in union with Christ, and individually members of one another. You see, a lot of people, well, before I go any further, let me go back to this this idea of this measure of faith. Now, most people in the faith movement, this is what I've always heard, and I agree with it, but I, but I see something in addition to this. Most people talk about the measure of faith that God's dealt to every Christian, a measure of faith. Most of the time they say the measure of faith, but it's actually in the original Greek, it doesn't say the, it's a measure of faith. God has dealt, you know, you couldn't get saved without faith. But saving faith is not the same as healing faith. Saving faith. Now, faith is, is faith. It, it, there's, there's just one kind of faith. It's the God kind of faith. You can call it a substance of faith. There's only one thing that is faith. It comes from God. But the principles that, that, uh, that operate, that you operate in faith, those principles apply to different areas of, me, of need. And a person can have faith for salvation and not have faith for healing. A lot of people are in that category. I know people, or I've known of people, who had faith for healing and weren't even saved. A person can have, if they hear the gospel and you, you tell them that Jesus will heal you, if they believe it, if, as soon as you tell them, faith comes. And they can actually have faith for, salvation, faith for healing and receive healing and not even be saved. I know people who aren't saved and they have faith for, for tithing. They, they absolutely believe in tithing. They believe that because their grandma or their parents, somebody down the line told, not only told them, but demonstrated. Son, if you'll give God the tenth, 
He'll bless you. You'll always have plenty. You'll never do without. And for whatever reason, they might not even be saved. They just, it, 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 you know, registered on them and they've always believed it. I know of people that are, that are in, in their retirement years and they don't go to church. They don't make a profession for Christ, but I'm going to tell you what, they send their tithe to a church and you know what? God blesses them. So, so you can have faith for one thing and not have faith for another. But to me, now I've never heard anybody preach this, but me, okay? This is just, this is just the way I see this. Faith as it's used here, this measure of faith, to, I call it functional faith. Let's read this again. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one uh, body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given. So each one of us has grace and gifts that are given to us But notice, he illustrates it. He says, if your gift is prophecy, then prophesy in proportion to your faith. Faith for what? Faith for that place. See, we all, God gives us all a place and he gives us grace for that place and he gives us gifts to operate in our place of service and he gives us faith to function there. And, and remember, the principles of faith are the same in every arena. And the same way your faith will be challenged on, in, uh, in the arena of healing, your faith will be challenged in the arena of service. Your faith will be challenged in the function that God has placed in, uh, you in, in, in the local church. You will be challenged, your faith will be challenged. I remember as a young man, uh, when I got back into fellowship with the Lord and started going back to this wonderful church, and I'm telling you, I mean, it was just the people just opened their arms and loved me like nothing had ever happened, and, and I, I was just overwhelmed. Uh, as I began to grow then, I began to realize, you know, I need to get involved. Well, it... Uh, I, I grew up with, with a pretty serious, uh, what do you call it, uh, inferiority complex. Particularly about being in front of people. And for some reason, God led me and led other people to start moving me into a place where I would be in front of people. And I didn't, it scared me. I think I've told you this before. At, at first, that's the first thing I did is I served as an usher. And our particular tradition, you know, when the ushers came forward like we did this morning, the pastor would call on one of the ushers, usually on right down the front, one of the ushers with the buckets, you know, to pray over the offering. And that scared the daylights out of me. I mean, literally, my hands would, I'm walking down the aisle, my hands would start sweating. I'm not exaggerating. My hands would get all clammy. And I'd be, and I'd try to be over on, on the very far side if I could. And I'd get, and I'd come down to the front, and I'd look around, you know, like I'm, like I'm looking for something. Like you know, he's not going to call on me because I'm not even paying attention, you know. I mean, I'd do everything I could to distract the pastor from calling on me. And sometimes he'd call on me anyway. He knew what I was doing, you know. 
And I mean, my mouth, my mouth, when I moved my mouth, it was like my mouth was cotton. Couldn't talk. And I just, just scared the daylights out of me. Well, my faith for, for being in front of people and being speaking in front of people, even praying in front of people was being challenged. Your faith for your function will be challenged. Well, as I begin to, to, uh, take on more responsibility. Uh, they called on me to lead the sort of, not lead, but sort of open the Wednesday night service and, you know, sort of be the you know, kind of a, a, of a, a secular term, be the, the, the uh, MC, you know, moderate the service, you know, open the service, introduce, you know, the choir, receive the offering, introduce the speaker and, and go sit down. And, uh, he, you know, God put me in that place. And, and again, I felt like, well, what am I doing up here? Why? Nobody's going to listen to me. Nobody, people are probably thinking, get off the platform. <laughs> Your faith, my faith was challenged for that function. And, uh, I came to service one night and the spirit of God moved on me to preach. <laughs> Nobody, the MC didn't preach. We, you know, Brother Doug will come up. He's a good example, you know, and other people are as well. He'll come up, you know, take up the offering. Sometimes he'll begin to exhort and the Spirit of God begins to flow. And it's, it's a flow of the Spirit, you know. And, uh, well, this particular night, the Lord led me to, to, to read a scripture that hadn't, didn't have anything to do with the offering. And I remember the text. It was in Ephesians chapter 4 where, where uh, each one contributes, you know, to, to the body, each one does its part. And, and I read that and, and gave just a real quick exhortation. I, I kept my eyes down like this, you know. And when I looked up, people all over the auditorium were crying. That could be a good thing or a bad thing, you know. <laughs> like, will he please sit down? Now, people, I mean, the Spirit of God, conviction was on people. And, uh, you know, that, I didn't know what to do but to just obey, but it, 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 it was a challenge. When I finally sensed that the Lord was leading me to go into full-time ministry, wow, that, that was a step of faith to even tell anybody because I thought for sure if I tell somebody, they will laugh at me visibly in my face. They won't be able to keep from smiling and chuckling. And if they're really rude, they'll just laugh their head off because I couldn't give a testimony. I couldn't pray in front of people. And, you know, that the Spirit of God came on me that night, you know, and to, 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 to give that exhortation, preach a little bit. Uh, it didn't happen again, but I, I, I wanted it to. So the next Wednesday night, I'll go back a little bit. The next Wednesday night, I tried it again without the anointing. I just decided, well, that worked out good last week. I'll do this again. So I, I got a scripture and, and gave a text, and it just went flat. And so the, the associate pastor after church, he said, he brought me, he said, now, Brother Edmund, he said, you know, you don't have to do that every time. <laughs> I said, yeah, I got that. I, I, I discerned that tonight. Thank you. <laughs> but when I started uh, uh, responding to the call of God to go into full-time ministry, you know, eventually you got to tell somebody. And uh, that was hard to do because I thought people would laugh at me. So what I'm saying is, but they didn't. People were gracious. They probably wanted to. Uh, I remember when Doc Horton came to our church to, to preach a revival, and I knew he knew Brother Hagen and, and, uh, uh, and was, you know, was a man of faith. 
I asked him, I said, Doc, what am I going to do? I said, I feel the call of God to go into the ministry, but my wife is barely coming to church. I mean, she just, she comes, but she's not involved. She doesn't worship. She just sits there. She just comes, you know, for, you know, to, to, it, the reason she started coming to church was because it looked bad because everybody knew her, you know, it looked bad for me to come back to church or her not come to church made her look bad. So she started coming and, uh, and then she started coming because she, she liked to socialize. You ever notice that she's kind of a socializer and, uh, but she was not yielding to the spirit of God and, you know, and I told doc, I said, I feel like I'm supposed to go in the ministry. I said, but my wife won't even hardly come to church. She just barely comes to church. She is not going to. He said, that, you remember Doc? That gravelly old voice. He said, ah, oh, son, don't worry about that. He said, you just obey God, she'll follow you. And my, my friend that gave me that, that first Brother Hagen book was standing nearby and he walked away. He said, he doesn't know your wife. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a step of faith. You, and, and you will have to take that step of faith or else you'll stay where you are. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. God doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants you to move into his full plan. Now, you may already be in it, but there are degrees. You can become more effective. You can become a greater blessing where you are. Well, hallelujah. Let's, uh, you know, this is what I started to say a minute ago. Too many people believe when they get saved that that's all that happened to them, that they just, they found Christ. They were going to hell. You know, they were a sinner. They were going to hell and they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and had their sins washed away and they are saved. Now they're saved. They were lost. Now they're saved. There's a lot of people, that's all they know that's happened. And to them... You know, that, that's good enough because we all remember, or a lot of us do, remember when that weight of sin was taken away, when we found that peace with God. I mean, it, I remember distinctly how powerful that was. And, and a lot of people think, well, that's just it. And very often people don't see their association with the body. But the truth is, when we were born again, we were not just saved and forgiven and given new life, we were actually born into and made part of Christ. We became, we, we, were, we entered into union with Christ and we entered into union with his body. We're just as much a part of one, one another as we are with the Lord Jesus Christ. And a lot of people see their union with Christ, all right, and they see their union with the body of Christ, but they only recognize the universal body of Christ. They don't recognize the local church. And they say, well, I'm fine. I'm in Christ. I mean, I believe in the body of Christ. I'm part of the body of Christ. But they're not talking about the body of Christ where it matters. They're talking about this, this, the universal body of Christ, but you can't serve God in the universal body of Christ. There, is, there are no serving opportunities because the universal body of Christ doesn't even, you can't even see it. Don't, it's all around you and you don't even know it. God has a plan for us in the local body because we're all a part of a local body. Amen. Now, go with me to 1 Corinthians and I'm going to close in just a minute, but I do want to get 1 Corinthians introduced and we'll talk more about it next time. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want us to look at, a, at, a, at two verses before we leave. Verse number 18 says, Now God has set the members, each of them, in the body just as he pleases. And then verse 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ. Now when he was talking about the body of Christ, he was talking about that local church. You understand that 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 believers in the first century had, had a, a, an understanding of the church as the local assembly. That's their primary understanding of what the church was. So he was writing this letter to the church at Corinth, and he said, you are, mem- you are the body of Christ and members individually. The, I like the way the older King James reads. It says, and you are members in particular. We are, we're not just general members, we are particular members in the body of Christ. And verse 18 says, God has set each member, each one of them in the body just as he pleased. Now, he's, if you look at the context, he's talking about the physical body, but he's obviously making the parallel, using that to illustrate the spiritual body. Now, the word set, he says, God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Go down to verse number uh, 28. God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, gifts of healings, uh, helps, governments, the variety of tongues. If you go back in verse 28, God has appointed. That word appointed is the same Greek word that's translated set in verse 18. God has set, appointed these in the church. Apostles, prophets. Do you think, do you think an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher has a, an obligation to fulfill in the body? That that is that's it's not up to him or her. I mean, do you do you expect where where I'm concerned as the pastor, Pastor Angela and I together? Do you do you think we have a requirement that we do what we do, and it's not really up to us? And even can you see that that even in times where we ha- we found it difficult to do what we're doing, we still had to obey. There have been times in, in our pastorate that, that we wanted to quit. I mean, there, there were times when uh, it was not easy. There were times when people didn't treat us very well. We, we get treated wonderfully now. But uh, there were times when we weren't treated very well. We had people talking about us and saying things and just being ornery. And, and, and uh, there, there were times it wasn't fun. Aunt Pastor Angela's told you about the times that she went through a period of time where she didn't want to be in church. Let alone pastor, she didn't want to be in church at all. That was a trial of her faith. Well, it's not up to me and, and, and my wife and I. It's, it's not our choice. We have to do what we do. You, you, all, you all understand that. We have to. Why? Because God set us in the church as pastors. Well, 
it says that he, same word is used. God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. Now, it would have been okay if this text had said, now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, as he pleased. That, that would be a powerful statement. As he pleased. But it says, just as he pleased. You, you use that, that, uh, that type of, of language. You tell somebody, I'm going to do just as I please. That's, what is that? That's emphasis. That means, I'm serious. It, it's a little, it's a little uh, uh, sassy, isn't it? I'm going to do just as I please. God set the individual members. Does anybody know who that would apply to? Huh? Anybody know who that would apply to? God has set the individual members in the body just, (laughs) just as he pleased. Well, that means that he's pleased with where he set you. And, and And he's just pleased. Or I've said it like this way, he's pleased just where he set you. Well, if he's pleased where he set you, would he be pleased someplace else where he didn't set you? Would that please him? No, because he put you just where he pleased. So you can't be anywhere else and be pleasing because he put you just precisely, emphatically, exactly where he pleased. Pastor, uh, I don't know if Pastor Greg remembers this, but not long ago we were, we were driving somewhere and we were talking about this, this statistic that, come, that has come up. That, and, and I knew it. Uh, you know, just uh, anecdotally, I knew it because I've seen it, but he said it's actually a statistical uh, fact that people who are active in a church, who are very active in a church, who, who would that be? That would be people who have found their place. They're, they're, they're at least in the acceptable will of God, maybe in the perfect will of God. But he said that, that he has seen statistics that have shown that people who are very active in a church, if they leave that church because of offense, they usually never become an active participant in another church. That's a statistical fact. Now, unless people are in full-time ministry and they go to another place, that's a different thing. But, but lay people, if they're, if they're in their place... And the, 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 the statistics don't deal with in your place and all that. It just says that people who are very active, and that would be people who are in their place usually, that when they leave the church for a wrong reason, they almost never, statistically, those people almost never become active in another church again. And in fact, a large percentage of them will go to church maybe initially and eventually they won't go to church at all. They'll completely just not stop going. Now, here they were in one body for years serving in, in a row. They were productive. And for some reason, they got offended or something, something happened. And they left their place. Statistics show that they never find a place again. Why would that be? It's because he puts us just where he pleases. And you know, there's just not another place. (laughs) 
There's just not another place. Now, you may have more than one place. He can put you just in the places, <laughs> you know. He can set you just where he pleases. He may please to have you in several different things. But we need to understand that, that church attendance and church involvement is, is not just a matter of our choosing and our will. It really isn't. According to the Bible and, and, and according to God, it's not. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to close just, just now with this statement. I promise. I have never taught, nor do I believe that if somebody, for whatever reason, if they leave our church, that God can't ever use them again anywhere else. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. Because if someone repents for their offense, whatever it was, got them out of the will of God. Now, true repentance and complete repentance, they'd come back to where they missed it. But I, don't, I almost never see that happening. I mean, in 42 years, we've just almost never seen that. Uh, but that's, that's, not my, that's not my concern. I, that's, I don't judge that. I let that go. But I, but I firmly believe, and I've seen this, that people can get out of their place and if, they, if they'll start going to church again, find a good place, if they repent and their heart is right, God will bless them and give them a place somewhere else. I've seen it over and over. The cults, that's another sign of a cult. A cult, if, if you hear a church preaching, if you leave here, you know, you're going to be cursed and God's never going to bless you and you're going to die and you're going to, you know, all these terrible things. You need to get out of that real quick. You're not, you're not in that church. I'm just saying, if you know of people in a situation, that is ungodly. That, that's, that's coercion, that's manipulation. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm just saying that if you're in your place, it's, it's because God set you in your place and you, and you should understand that that's a divine thing. It, it's a holy thing. It's a sacred thing. And, and it's not something to be played with because God set the members, all, all, most of them, no, every one of them in the body just as he pleased. And the, the process of growth in a local church is finding out that just place. Because I know in my, my case, when I first started going back to church, I started doing a lot of different things that really, you know, weren't my place, but it was, I could do it. And so I did it. I just did my best. And, and I made a, 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 I was a big failure in some of them, but I did my best. And then I found out when I became a pastor that all of those places are under the are part of the pastor's calling. I'm called to teach the babies. I've never done that, but I'm telling you, as the pastor, I must prepare a place for babies to be ministered to. I must provide a place for youth to be ministered to. As a pastor, I'm required to develop a, a, a fellowship time and, and have times where the church goes. That's part of the calling that I have to then find people in the church that God raises up just for that place. And so those times when I was, I felt like, what in the world am I doing? I taught, I taught junior boys. How old were junior boys? 
I, I taught eight and nine-year-old boys one time in a Sunday school class, and I taught them out of E.W. Kenyon's books. <laughs> if you know anything about E.W. Kenyon books, they're very deep. And I, I would teach, because I was feeding on E.W. Kenyon, I wasn't going to teach that stuff in that Sunday school leaflet that was, you know, full of tradition. So I, I would teach them, I would teach them E.W. Kenyon, those little boys, they look at me like, uh, you know, what is he talking about? So I, you know, I, I just, I did things because I was asked to do them and I could, I could serve. Find your place because there's no place like it. There's no place like it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you get anything out of this today? God is good. He has a place for all of us. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.